0: Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. The first Sunday of the NFL season is in the books, and holy crap, that was some kind of heater. I'm feeling it. And when I'm feeling it, I feel like channeling my inner butter knife. I feel like just spitting names. Chandler Jones! Matthew Stafford, Jamar Chase, Jameis Winston, react to me! Because I'm telling you, some dudes showed up and they absolutely dominated. And then there were guys and teams that showed up and they puked all over themselves. No names mentioned, the New York Giants and the Green Bay Packers. But why don't we start this Monday? The Monday whip around of the first or the first whip round of the regular season, by talking about Chandler Jones. My man Chandler Jones, as much love as he's getting for yesterday's performance against the Titans, it is still not nearly enough. He put on an absolute show. That was a statement of force and domination. Suckers were getting abused and ragdolled. Alvin, rolling. Jeff Swain was in motion for the Titans. Off the play fake, Tannehill is hit! The ball is loose! It's
1: loose on the 6, it's picked up at the 5, into the end zone! Touchdown, Arizona!
0: Brian Tannehill is adjusting the play. Off the play fake to Henry. Pressure's coming, he's hit, and he has spun down. From the 33-yard line for Tennessee. Pressure's coming, Jones has got him again from the backside. Number 3 for Chandler Jones. Tannehill pressure from behind lost the football it's spinning around at the 33 yard line it was Jones again that came from the backside and knocked the ball loose it's fourth down Tannehill and he's wrapped up and taken down from behind Chandler Jones again that is number five for Chandler Jones yeah that took a while right Because not one, not two, not three, not not four. Five sacks. Five Five sacks. That's a really good season for most guys. Five sacks. So embarrassing for the Titans that Taylor Lewan tweeted, quote, got my ass kicked today. No way around that. I let the team and the fans down. Thank you, Chandler Jones, for exposing me. It will only force me to get better. It's actually an amazing tweet. You know you've absolutely dominated a game when the guy trying to stop you, a damn good player and a pro at that, yeah, coming off an injury, but a damn good player and a pro at that, immediately takes to Twitter to own that ass-kicking and thank you for kicking his ass and for exposing him because it's going to force him to get better. Because that was an ass-kicking. And you will never see a single guy playing that position dominate a game the way Chandler Jones just did, unless Chandler Jones does it again. And he could, and he probably will. Now, as long as we're talking about teams from the West of the Mississippi going back East and getting a dub, how about the Chargers doing the Washington football team in their house 2016? Make no mistake, it's a big win for the Bolts. Because that is precisely the type of game this team has found ways to lose in recent years over and over and over again. But not this time. And they were hyped. And you know what the Chargers do when they get hyped? They take to Twitter. Yeah, forget playing highlights from that game. Let me instead play highlights from their Twitter feed when they hit Washington with some Elmo. What's the letter?
2: What's the letter? What's the letter? What's the letter? letter?
0: Wow. I mean, there is savage smack, and then there is Sesame Street smack. The most brutal smack of all. Good luck getting that earworm out of your head. Oh, and as if watching their team lose at home weren't painful enough for the Washington fans, there was that clip of some sort of liquid gushing all over the seats. That's sewage. can't see that. It's not hard to find. I couldn't show it on CBS Sports Network, but you can hear the audio. And if you want to find the video, you should. I mean, it's just gushing. I mean, the hell is that? And by the way, where is that water coming from? Why is it pouring out of the roof over that section? And what the hell is happening? And that one guy, if you listen, that one guy had a theory and he had a theory immediately. Notice what he didn't say. Well, that's just water. No, that guy went right to, quote, that's sewage. That's sewage. And it's just dumping. That's sewage. That's sewage. Is he talking about the liquid pouring from the roof all over the seats or most of the phone calls to this show? Hell. For the record, according to reports, it was not sewage. But you gotta love that guy jumping right in with authority. All right, he wasn't asking, he was stating, he was mandating. Oh, that that's sewage. That's sewage. I mean, who exactly was that dude? Louis Slungpoo? Louis
1: Slungpu. I hope I pronounced the last name correctly.
3: Ah, uh, yes, I'm Slungpoo.
1: Oh, thank you very much. That's sewage.
0: Yeah, I know. Or Matt in LA. Look, you never want to jump to any conclusions based on just one game. But one thing that everybody knew going into the season was the NFC West was going to be an absolute bloodbath. Not sewage, but an absolute bloodbath. Everybody knew that, and everybody was right, because the NFC West came out of Week 1 4-0. And the NFC North was going to be, well, let's not get into that just yet.
1: Uh, Let's not get into that.
0: Why don't we focus on the positive? And for the Rams, the positive was the arrival of Matthew Stafford. You know how absolutely nothing ever lives up to the hype? Matthew Stafford lived up to the hype. How about this for your second pass in Rams gear and doing it in prime time on national television? Stafford takes the snap. He's back. He fakes the handoff, rolls to his left, flips his hips, looking, going deep, got a man wide open. That's Jefferson, makes the catch at the 20, stumbles down around the 15, gets to his feet, runs left across the five, into the end zone, touchdown Rams! That's Van Jefferson, the second-year man, made a tumbling catch. Nobody touched him. He got up and sprints into the end zone. A 66-yard touchdown pass. And the Rams are on the board first. You know it. Roll out. Unleash that Kraken. An absolute bomb from a guy who said that he just wants to play in games that matter. And last night mattered. I mean, be honest. For some of you, that may have been the first time you have seen that guy play aside from Thanksgiving games. That might have been the first time you saw him and you weren't in a turkey coma for jamming all that bird down your gullet. You probably only have some kind of foggy, vague recollection of this dude slinging it because every time you've seen it, you've been drunk on bird and whatever your choice of beverage is. But now you know why Sean McVay wanted this guy so badly and why he and Les Snead gave up as much as they did for him because it took Stafford about 30 seconds to show what he can do in that offense and what that offense can do with him. 20 of 26, 321 yards, three TDs, and, well, don't just take it from me. Listen to what Jalen Ramsey had to say.
3: He did amazing. I'm sure he's self-critical critical and he, he's gonna have some things that he'll probably want to get better at and hopefully we can challenge him in practice um to do that but his command his swag like everything was great that's that's like a
1: debut that probably should go down in history like the just the way he played let's
0: let me out. say something else too notice who said that all right that was Jalen Ramsey talking about swag Jalen Ramsey talking about history being made let's say something else I'm not saying that you owe the man an apology, but is it just me? Or did my man look sort of chiseled in his face? Did you notice that? And I bring that up because you've spent years talking about how fat his face is. Fat? Another terrible take. I'm just saying, man, he looked good. He looked good. And yes, Bears fans, I saw your team. And I wish I didn't have to, but I did. You know what the Bears are? The Bears are like the New York Giants. They're on TV more than leave it to beaver reruns. And nobody has any idea why. Am I, am I right? Am I right? You better be at home right now or in your car or streaming or wherever you are and saying to yourself, he's not wrong. Because I'm right. Why are they, man? The Bears and Giants seem like they're always on TV. Even more than even it leave, it to Beaver reruns. TV more than leave it to Beaver reruns. And last night's work from Andy Dalton is is not exactly going to have people demanding more of the Bears in prime time. Justin's going to have his time and Justin's going to have a great career. But right now it's, it's my time. Yeah, yeah, sure it's not. I would sum up the Bears last night with two words. That's sewage. That's sewage. That's sewage. That's sewage. That's sewage. I'll tell you what, man. That is a monster opening block. And I've got more. How about this? Then there are the 49ers and their quarterback situation. And things did not get off to a very good start for one James Garoppolo. First down. Dwelling in motion. It's a fumbled snap. Oh, we got a ball out. And the ball scooped up by the Lions. A mishandled
2: snap on the
1: first play. And Detroit gets it right back. Wow. Oh, no. Absolutely what you don't want.
0: Yeah, I would say absolutely what you don't want on your first snap. I don't know how I would characterize that. Let me think. If I had to characterize that play, I would say, that's sewage. That's sewage. I'm no quarterback guru, and I'm certainly no sewage guru, but that's sewage. That's sewage. I'm going to go ahead and say that if the team used a bunch of capital to draft a quarterback with the third pick in this year's draft, and that guy's pushing you for reps. The last thing you want to do is start the season the way Jimmy Garoppolo did. But that's what Jimmy G did. And then things got even worse for him when the Niners got the ball back and Trey Lance did this. Trey Lance is back in. It's a play action. Lance will throw wide open. Caught by Trent Sherfield. Touchdown San Francisco.
1: That was jerky, baby jerk route and Trey Lance tremendous job with the play action he's looking down the middle he knows he's got his guy
0: all jerky is not the same you know this right old trapper beef jerky more on that in a minute so at that point you know Niner fans were all saying yeah thanks Jim thanks Jimmy Trey will take it from here you've been great and all thanks for everything hit the bleeping bricks and don't let the door hit you on the way out let the Phenom take over. But the thing with Jimmy G is, while he probably will get hurt because he usually does go down and he probably will go down, but he's not going down without a fight. In fact, do boat up. He boat up. And if he's going to ultimately lose that gig to Lance, he's going to make Lance rip it from him and make it hard for the coaches to give it to him because G, in the end, put up numbers. 17-25. 314 yards and a TD, and he and Debo Samuel were unstoppable. So you can hold off giving Trey Lance that starting job for just another few days. All right, as I mentioned, the opening block is a monster. I could not get to all of it. There were some things that were really, really good, and there were some things that were, well, sewage. That's sewage. Packers were sewage. That's sewage. Jameis Winston and the Saints were awesome they were the opposite of sewage sewage. herb was sewage sewage. so clones what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy not bars not sugary snacks not energy drinks no we want beef pure and simple so where's the beef it's in a package of old trapper beef jerky old trapper is not your old man's jerky shriveled dry tasteless Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest, that it goes with you wherever you go. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? He is Akib Talib. Akib, it's good to have you on. How you doing, man? How is your life right about now?
2: It's good, you know? A whole lot of football watching, so I'm enjoying it.
0: That's good, man, and they pay you to do it, so that's a good thing, too. Let me ask you, you are entering your second year as a broadcaster. You are also a podcaster right now, so you've got platforms and you've got opinions. You called your shot before the start of the season, and you predicted that Josh Allen would be the league MVP. He did not have the best game yesterday. Overall, though, what have you seen from him that makes you think that he's going to have another big season?
2: Uh, You just, you know, you see those guys who can – who got full control of the game. They got full control of their team. So you usually don't see that until, you know, guys are 10 years in or, you know, later veterans, right, they usually had that feel. But Josh Allen def- definitely has that feel. And uh, he got a huge arm and he-, he got a great offensive coordinator and he just surrounded by weapons.
0: We're talking about Keepsalib. Did you see anything yesterday that makes you feel any different about that? Or man, that just that'll happen. That'll happen, especially against a good defense.
2: Yeah, that'll happen against a good defense. Uh, you remember Pittsburgh started off eleven and twelve and oh or whatever. So they they got a great scheme. They got a good scheme. Uh, and you know that's just your first your first full speed action. I mean, preseason is one thing, but that's your first real full-speed action of the season. So I think Buffalo will be just fine.
0: You know, I think it's a fair point. You never know. Week one is definitely a different deal altogether. Akeem Talib is joining us. Also, he made the point that Aaron Donald is going to be the defensive player of the year. Listen, we know that this is a great, great defensive player. As a great defensive player yourself, when you look at Aaron Donald, what is it about him that sets him apart from everybody else? He's just,
2: Stronger than everybody he plays against. He's quicker than everybody he plays against. He's
0: faster than
2: everybody he plays against. And he probably works harder than everybody he plays against. So it's going to be hard to beat that guy. He's just, if, if I lined up against a guy, Jim, and he was just quicker than me, faster than me, stronger than me, he worked harder than me, it's going to be hard for me to beat him. So that, those are just the facts. And, and, it's just going to be hard to stop Aaron game after game.
0: Uh, Akeem Salib joining us. Hey, well said. Now, you, you just made the point that if you line up against a guy who does that, this is what's going to happen. Akeem, what happens when you line up with a guy like that? For instance, what does that mean for the rest of the defense? How does that impact your job to have Aaron Donald playing up there in front of you?
2: It makes It makes it easier for us because, first of all, we know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday had a lot to do with Aaron Donald. So you got a game plan for him and blocking schemes. How are we gonna block him? And then you may forget how you gonna block the another guy or how you gonna block this guy. So everybody around him going to benefit because the team has to pay so much attention to him. Nobody else on that D line is getting double teamed, and as a DB, you know the ball gonna come out fast because even the double team can block him for three seconds. So. You know the ball is going to come out when you're playing man coverage. Uh, you know it's going to be disrupted when you're playing zone coverage. So be ready to break in zone coverage and know it's, know it's coming out fast and man coverage is how to help a DB.
0: Aqib Tlaib is a Super Bowl champ. He is an NFL analyst. He's a podcaster too right now. Listen, what about the other side of the ball? You were on the call for the Rams in the preseason. What did you see from that offense with Matthew Stafford? And how do you expect that to carry over into the regular season? Like how good can that Rams offense be with Stafford?
2: Well, we didn't see any of the Rams' offense in the preseason, but I know a little bit about it. I know a lot of those guys. I watch the Rams, and uh, that O line is in sync. Matthew Stafford is super accurate down the field, and that offense is a machine when it gets going. So they they got kind of hot yesterday. i I'm, i I'm I think they'll win the division definitely, but I'm 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 excited to see a healthy Rams team in the playoffs. That's what we ain't really seeing. That's what we didn't see last year. But I'm excited to see a healthy AD, a healthy Matt Stafford, a healthy cast of guys in the playoffs. And I think they can compete with anybody.
0: You see, that's key. Health is going to be a key for them and everybody else, obviously, a key. But what about, like, not that these guys aren't the ultimate pros, but do you get the sense maybe that Stafford and Sean McVay both have a chip on their shoulder to show everybody that they can win big and maybe win the entire thing and make their point?
2: They definitely do. Uh I, I I was in the building with Sean every day, man. That's one of the most competitive guys I ever been around. So I know he got a chip on his shoulder. He done been in the playoffs damn near every year since he's since he's been on the team. Made it to the chip. And I so I know he just got that taste for a victory. He wanna be the best. So I know I know how Sean is feeling. And Matt Stafford is a vet man and he never he never really, you know, got to make his name in the playoffs. So he feel like he got the supporting cast to do it now. And his window is not that huge anymore. So I know he's trying to get it done as well.
0: Akib Tlaib doing what he does, breaking it down for us. Now, before the start of the season, you also predicted that Tom Brady and the Bucks would win the whole thing once again. Akib, as somebody who won a Super Bowl, how hard is it to repeat? And what have you seen from Tampa Bay that makes you think that they've got what it takes to get it done? Well,
2: the the it's super hard to repeat. And the main reason is because everybody on the team is a hot commodity. You usually you you usually lose some key pieces to your team, but that's the one thing that Tampa was able to do. They was able to bring back everybody, so they they accomplished the main goal. You know what I'm saying? The thing that messed teams up the worst is you lose people. We kept all our people. Now you just need guys to you know not not be in France and Italy partying. You know what I'm saying? The whole off season. And I think the Tom Brady effect take care of the rest of that.
0: Keith, hey, what about that? Like, you make such a good point. Like, you want to make sure that guys, that once they win that whole thing, that they're putting in the time, they're doing the work. But then again, when you get to the top of the mountain and you spent your entire life getting there, there's got to be a big party that does want to go to Italy and party and enjoy it because you earned it. So uh, how do you get guys not to give in to that and to put that off as long as they can and stay on that grind?
2: Man, you really – you really, it's really the leadership, I think. I think guys are going to have fun. you going to party, of course. But when it's time to work, you just got to be there. Everybody got to be there. Everybody got to be locked in. And I think if Tom Brady shows up, man, it's hard for everybody else not to show up, right? So they got the, they got the best leader in the game on their team. He going to show them the way physically, emotionally. He going to show them the way – And and he got a, you know, a a nice staff over there, a nice team. It's a a solid team over there, man. I think they want to do more than just win one chip. They want to win as long as they got time. Because they know time window is not huge. So, you know, they're trying to get it all while they can.
0: Keep Tlaib is joining us. Like, dude, what about that window? Like, what do we make of this guy's window? Father Time is undefeated. We know that. (laughs) But how do you explain this cat still playing at that level when he's 44? How do you explain his window?
2: Man, it's second to none to say the least but I uh, man he 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 put the time in into his body and and you see what he getting out man he's one of the most hard one of the most hard working guys that I ever been around uh and he's definitely he's definitely getting blessed so the biggest window ever
0: Akeem, what do you make of that? Like that point you just made that he's putting his time into his body. I'm kind of curious, like, what do you think about that mindset? Like, does he really enjoy that work, that process, and eating all that crap? Or does he like the way winning feels so much more that that stuff doesn't bother him? Like, is he making sacrifices and paying a price and it's hard? Or does he actually like doing that?
2: Man, once you do it that long, I think you just, it's just part of you at that point. It's it's routine now. So if he didn't like it before, I think he's he's probably bought into it now. Like if I do this throughout the off season, throughout the year, I get these results at the end of the year. And he's done it so long now, and the results has been so good. I think it's just part of him now. He just he used to it.
0: I love that response. I think that's exactly what that is. I hadn't really thought about it like that, but I think you're right. I think that's just, he's always done it, so you don't think about it. You just do it, and then you see the results, and then you don't question it. Now, you were in Canton, Ohio, for Peyton Manning's induction into the Hall of Fame. I'm curious, what was that experience like for you?
2: Man, it was wonderful. A a beautiful experience just being around all the Hall of Famers, all the future Hall of Famers, and, you know, just guys getting their flowers while they're here. Uh, the speeches was great, and uh, the vibe was just good. Jim, man, it was it was. My jaws was hurting by the end of the night from laughing and smiling so much, man. I heard great stories. It was it was probably the uh, top three, top five event I ever been to in my life.
0: Hm. Wow. Akeem Talib is joining us. All right. So I mentioned a few of your numbers off the top. You've got some serious stats that put you among the all-time greats. Do you ever think about getting fitted for a gold jacket of your own and going into the Hall of Fame?
2: Definitely do. That's, that's one of the goals. When, when you're young, I, I always said I wanted to, first I wanted to be rich. So then, you know, I had to narrow it down a little bit. There's a lot of ways to do this. Okay, so I like this football stuff. And then once you start playing football, okay, I want to be the best. I want to be a pro bowler. I get that. Then you want to be an all-pro. And you get that, you win the Super Bowls, so then you start thinking like, "Damn, what's after that?" and of course, it's that gold jacket, so you start comparing your numbers to other guys, and I always think about it jim it's 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 the the only award I could win now that I'm not playing, right, so I still want to win still competitive. Uh so I always think about
0: it. I mean, keep is there like kind of explain that to me. Is there I mean, obviously that's a very exclusive club and fraternity. Guys know, right? Guys know who have that jacket and guys know who are on the outside looking in. Like what's it mean to have that jacket and be in that club?
2: I think that's the the that's like the ultimate stamp on your career, I think.
0: As a as a
2: personally. You know what I'm saying? Not like a team, a championship or anything. Just personally, uh most of the guys who in the NFL, in the Hall. They probably dreamed of playing football when they was young. They probably dreamed of being the best. And I think when you're done, you're 40 some years old, and boom, you got that Hall of Fame, man. It kind of stamped you as one of the best guys to play the game. So I think that's the ultimate goal personally for all
0: players all right so keep i mentioned off the very top that you're hosting the catch and fades podcast and i just want to give you a quick opinion like lots of people have podcasts right now and then you've got guys like you who play the game at a really high level and you have insight to share that are doing podcasts and that's really a good thing but you still got to work at it and you still have to promote it and you still have to do the legwork and you do those things which i really respect now i'm blown away by this i need you to dial me in I think about this guy a lot, and I haven't talked about this guy or I haven't talked to this guy in a number of years, but Josh Sitton used to come on this program, man. I always, always loved this guy, loved his game, and you're having him on this week. I've got to know, what is your connection to him? What's he doing, and what are you guys going to talk about? I love that you're going to have him on.
2: Oh, yeah, Josh Sitton, man. Well, first of all, we both both in that 08 class, so, you know, we made a couple of Pro Bowls together, man. Uh I think we was at the Alumni Awards one time. I got DB, DB of the year. He got O-Lineman of the year at the Alumni Awards one time. So we, we hung out a few times, man. We we know each other. And, uh, you know, I, he retired now. I just wanted to see what he was up to. He's just farming, man, you know, having a good time, enjoying retirement like myself. Uh It's going to be a great interview, man. Y'all should check it out, Catching Phase. I think it drops today or tomorrow. Today is Monday. It probably dropped tomorrow. I think it dropped tomorrow. But, uh. Definitely, man. It's a good time. We we reminisce. It. He brought up a story that I forgot about, Jim, uh, a, 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 a rookie symposium story, man. So it's it's a great conversation. It's a, it's a great interview.
0: Dude, he's a good dude, right? He is a funny dude.
2: Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Man, great
0: personality. All right, so make sure you check that out. That's the Catch and Fades podcast. Find that where you find your podcast. Akeem, man, I appreciate you very much. It's always good to talk to you on my podcast, on this show, whenever we can. Thanks so much for doing that. Good luck with it, and I hope I can run you down again during the season.
2: Likewise, Jim. Appreciate it.
0: Let me drop some stats on you. Did you know two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35? Did you know that more than 50 million men in the U.S. suffer from male pattern baldness? Did you know that there are only two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss? And did you know that Keeps offers both? Now you do. Keeps offers a simple, stress-free way to keep your hair. Convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered right to your front door every three months and you do not even need to leave your home. Plus, low-cost treatments starting at only 10 bucks per month and Keeps offers generic versions and discreet packaging and proven results. What more could you ask for? Well, how about this? Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of the competition. Prevention is key. Treatments can take four to six months to see results, so you want to move right now. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, just go to K-E-E-P-S slash Rome and get your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Rome and get that first month free. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Rome. So you've got quarterback battles around the NFL. Jameis Winston never really was in a quarterback battle in New Orleans. And yesterday, if you had any doubt as to why Sean Payton made him the guy, he erased that doubt in a hurry, didn't he? 14 of 20. Now, these numbers are really wacky. Because he was 14 of 20 for 148 yards. Now, if you see those numbers, you think to yourself, eh, nice, but not much. Didn't really throw the ball downfield. Didn't really do that much at all. Eh, He actually did quite a bit. He did a ton. Because the only number that matters in that stat line is this one. Five touchdowns. Five touchdowns in an absolute beatdown of the Packers. I mean, it was efficient and ruthless as hell. He looked as good as the Packers looked bad. And the Packers looked terrible. I mean, for a moment, Jameis had this stat line. 93 yards passing, four TDs. It's comical. 93 yards passing and four touchdowns. I have never seen anything like that. And then he added to that this. On second down, aired out Deontay Harris. He's got it. Touchdown, another for Winston. I'm not sure how you explain that. How do you explain the Saints in their very first game without Drew Brees playing in Jacksonville and beating the living crap out of the Packers, a team that is Super Bowl or bust? Winning the game is one thing. The Saints are good. We know this. But they're playing their first game without Drew Brees, and they beat the living crap out of a team that is Super Bowl or bust. How do you explain that? Jameis took a shot. Jameis said it came down to one bit of advice that he got right before the game.
1: How did the defense in the running game give overall shape to the way this played out, Jameis?
2: Well, I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He
0: just told us to be prepared. That can't be real, right? It's got to be some sort of deep fake of some kind, right? I mean, who starts a sentence about the importance of being prepared without being prepared for the sentence itself
2: i just think we were prepared you know one thing my uh my trainer he told me he
0: said what did he say he just told us to be prepared my man is so good again ask the question who starts a sentence about the importance of being prepared without being prepared to talk about that sentence I love how he pulled the ripcord right there, too. That was some hack-off level stuff right there. That was some Dennis in Oklahoma stuff right there. Dennis in Oklahoma City. Hey, what's up, Jim? I uh, harken back to the days of the Mighty 690. I was calling in regards to Kent and his lame uh flash card reading call that he made to the show as a uh, former oh,
1: uh, as a former i'm blowing up jim i'm sorry dude uh, reaction i'm out
0: that no. was artfully done you don't like that call. i don't like that call. the harder he tried like the worse he made it but he still had the composure and poise and wherewithal to say reaction i'm out all you have to do if you get on the air and all of a sudden you're way out in front of your skis and it's not what you thought it was going to be, deep breath, find the eject button and smash it. Just say, uh, reaction, I'm out. As a,
1: uh, former, oh, uh, as a former, I'm blowing up, Jim. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, reaction, I'm
0: out. A- Perfect. Oh, no. Absolutely. I don't like that. stunning execution very good if you can say uh even add a reaction uh reaction i'm out all right my reaction is that was one of the worst calls ever however it was one of the best recoveries ever like my man is taking that jet right into the side of a mountain and right before it happens, he still has the mindset, like the wherewithal, to find that ripcord and just jerk that thing. And right before that jet went to the side of the mountain, my man lands safely over there. Extremely well done.
1: As a, uh, former, oh, uh, as a former, I'm blowing up, Jim. I'm sorry, dude. Uh, reaction, I'm out. even apologized to me. Oh, no.
0: The more I hear that, the more I think that's not one of the worst calls ever, but one of the best calls ever. Got the apology in, pulled the ripcord, landed safely to the side. Listen, Jameis, Jameis does not give great pregame speeches, and the guy does give some pretty weird postgame interviews, but if this guy keeps showing up like that, and he keeps preparing like that, very clearly – that year in that system with Sean Payton and playing behind Drew Brees and being in that quarterback room did prepare him well, even if he can't explain how it prepared him well. Because my man looked good. Throwing five TDs in a game like that against Green Bay, keep doing that, it's going to work out just fine. Just fine. And To his credit, he did so without Mike Thomas. He did so without Emmanuel Sanders. He did so with a bunch of young guys you've probably never even heard of. So what I'm trying to say is my man feasted on a big-ass W in week one. And I could not have been more impressed with how he handled himself. Just not how he handled that question. Who cares? What does that matter? That's not even all there is to week one. I've got so much more to get to in week one. So much more. It was an insane week that I'm going to need multiple takes to spread across the board and across the program to cover.
2: Well, I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared.
0: I'm not here to clown this guy. I mean, we've done plenty of that over the years. Jameis looked great. He looked great. So to me, the decision to go to New Orleans and reinvent himself and learn to do certain things, learn to play a certain way, that he knew that that was a great situation for him, I've got nothing but positive things to say about Jameis. He looked awesome. If you ever stopped at a railway crossing and the signals are flashing and you don't see the train or it appears to be moving slowly and you're thinking maybe you can get across the tracks before the train comes, think about this. Even if the engineer sees you and applies emergency brakes right away, it can take a train over one mile to stop, over a mile to stop. By that time, it's too late and the resulting crash will be deadly. Stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. Sam Pittman is my guest. Sam, it's great to have you on. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing so great. Thank you a lot for asking me to come on your show.
0: Sam, thank you very much for coming on this show. Boy, I'll tell you, there's a lot that I want to talk to you about, but why don't we start with the fact that you had the ninth largest crowd in program history at your place on Saturday night with Texas coming to town. What was the atmosphere like in that stadium before the game? And then how did you go about making sure that your guys did not get too hyped?
1: Well, it was incredible. It really was. It started with the hog walk, and they were, I don't know how many, 15 rows deep. It was it was incredible, the atmosphere, and simply because of the old rivalry between us and Texas and, and uh, you know, the passion that our guys have for, for the for the hogs. But it wasn't hard, really, uh, Jim, to keep them focused because we'd had such a good week of practice, and we talked about very simple ways of winning and its physicality and not making mistakes and holding on to the ball; those things you can do each and every week. And so the kids, they were ready to play, though they were swarming to the football.
0: Sam Pittman joining us. I'm glad you mentioned Sam physicality because I wanted to ask you about that. You're facing number 15 Texas, and you dominate that game. You get out to a 33-7 lead in the third quarter, rushing for 333 yards on the ground for the game. As a coach, who has his roots on the offensive line, how proud were you of the line and the way they controlled the game?
1: Uh, it was incredible uh, you know I, we have a new offensive line coach Cody Kennedy and he was a grad assistant of mine when, when we were both at Georgia and he's done a phenomenal job with this group and we had five starters coming back so that certainly helped us but you know as an offensive line coach and a head coach and you're rushing for seven plus yards a carry it's an incredible feeling it's very hard hard to match the feeling that you have and and that is just, hey, we're going to run it, and there's not a whole lot you can do about it type feeling, and it's, it, it, I was so proud for him and, and the offensive line and the running backs.
0: Yeah, it's one thing to win that thing in the trenches, that battle in the trenches, but that was the program's first win over Texas in Fayetteville in 40 years, and they stormed wow. the field after the game. You had a great speech, I thought, in the locker room after the win. One of the things you told your team was that Arkansas fans can wake up on Sunday, quote, you've given them an opportunity to be proud of the damn Arkansas Razorbacks, end quote. I mean, what's it mean to you and your players to have that support and then to repay it by giving the fans something they can be proud of? Because I know how proud and how fierce that fan base is.
1: <laughs> you know, Jim, I'm I, i I'm so Proud to be the head coach at Arkansas, and I I really, really am. I grew up 75 miles here from here. I wanted the Hogs to recruit me, they didn't. Which Coach Holtz was—he was right. I wouldn't have recruited me either. But I wanted to come here, and I know the passion because I have it, and our coaching staff has it, and we wanted to—we wanted our fans to wake up on a Sunday morning and have something to talk about besides. Oh, man, the Hogs didn't play well, this, that, and other. And our kids gave that to them. We gave back to them for helping us win because I really believe that they helped us in the win with the 76,000 people there.
0: See, Sam, the thing is, I mean, when you say, "I I love being the head coach here, I wanted this gig, a lot of coaches might have looked at the program and said, man, this is a brutal conference, that's an opportunity that's going to require a lot of work, I don't want that. I don't want that job. I don't want that challenge. Yet, as you just pointed out, you did want that. A lot of your former players wanted it for you as well. Why was that a job that appealed to you so much? And then what's it mean to have the support of so many former players?
1: Well, I, I love the state of Arkansas. I always have. As a matter of fact, Jim, my wife and I were going to retire in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We bought a lot down there getting ready to build before I got the head coaching job here. So I just love the water, the the the, the people. Uh, it's just a really, really neat state for people that haven't been in the state of Arkansas. They ought to, you know, look at it because there's a lot of nice places here and really good people. And that you know, the passion for the hogs has been gone for a while. And I knew that any any school that's won a national championship, they can get back to power. They can get back. And and a lot of people go down and then come back up. And you know. I know a lot of people didn't take the job for me to get it. I understand that. I didn't care if I was one or 100. I just wanted to come back here because I knew if you had passion for this program that you could eventually turn it around.
0: See, Sam, this is why everywhere you've been, players love you. And by the way, they don't like you. They love you. I can read one quote after another from players, parents over the years who love you. I know those relationships mean everything to you. I want to ask you, though, in, in some cases, when you get a gig like that, you've got players who played for a couple of coaching staffs and they had not seen a lot of success. It might be easy to say that the number one problem or priority is we got to get better players. You never said that. You never did that. You believed that these guys could have success quickly. Why was that?
1: Well, I just think that if you get a group of collected people together and, and, you're, and you're rolling towards one vision, you can get better. Now, I didn't, I didn't know we could win a national championship or anything like that, but I know we could get better with the players that we had. The first thing I told them is, is I know that they didn't choose me as their head coach, but I sure as hell chose them. As, you know. And so I think that resonated with them a little bit. And then we never tried to run one person off Nor did we try to keep anybody. If they wanted to get out, I said, hey, good luck to you. But we didn't try to run anybody off. We never talked about the previous head coach. We never talked about his team and my team. Because the day that I got the head coaching job, it was our team. And we wanted every one of them.
0: And I love that. I love that. You, You sure as hell didn't choose me, but we chose you. And we didn't run anybody off nor made anybody stay. There's one more interesting parallel, Sam. Sam Pittman, my guest, in the story that goes that you started roofing houses when you were young. (laughs) Then you started doing things like building fences and mixing mud. And as you've said, quote, my dad would buy an old house and all of his kids would help fix it up. Some type of construction has been a big part of my whole life. And, quote, really interesting to me. Like, what were those days like and what did you learn from those experiences that help you now?
1: Oh, those days were awesome, Jim. But the bad part about it, every now and then, the old baseball game would get rained out, and when it did, you had to go work. Right. And I was like, "Hey, I got a little Indian blood in me," and I was like, "Hey, no dancing, no dancing." I did. I didn't want any rained-out baseball games because we'd have to go work. But I, my expertise was roofing, and so I, I and I roofed my way through college. I went to Pittsburgh State, and by the way, Welcome to the Jungle, that was our, we'd run out at Pittsburgh State. We were the gorillas, and we'd run out to that song, so that was kind of cool, that uh, is. your intro song. But <laughs> but no, and we each one of us, there five of us, and the, the girls were painters, and, and me and my brother were roofers and sheetrockers.
0: Absolutely amazing. So that stays with you until this day, and now you've got yourself a huge, huge win. What do you do? Obviously, when a team has success, sometimes success is more hard to deal with than failure. You've got Georgia Southern coming in. What's your message to your team this week?
1: I don't think a whole lot. Here here's what happened last year. You know, we we second game of the year we beat Mississippi State on the road and we hadn't won in, I don't know, a long time as SEC game. Then we go to Auburn. And I don't know if you remember, but that we had a, there was a bad call at the end of the game at Albert. Well, we we rebounded, we played a good game at and then we come home, we beat Ole Miss. So I think what we've done in the past, where you could be pretty high and then get a low, I think we're not going to talk about any of that. To be honest with you, our kids have a lot of pride. We know every week is so precious. I think we're going to be just fine. We're going we're going to flush this game by about 3 o'clock this afternoon, and get on to Georgia Southern.
0: There you go. I was just about to ask you, how long do you let them enjoy it? But by 3 o'clock this afternoon, he is the head football coach at Arkansas, second season there, and what a great win that was. What a great statement win, too. A 40-21 to 21 beatdown of number 15 Texas on Saturday. Sam, great to have you on this show. I have to assume that it's not going to be the last time you and I have a conversation. Really nice to have you, though. Thank you very much for doing that.
1: Oh, I hope it's not our last time. I've been watching you for a long time. You're so wonderful at your job. I appreciate your time.
0: Hey, you want to hear something incredible? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how incredible is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. That's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. So like with everything going on yesterday, like Cleveland, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, to name a few things. The last thing that I thought that I'd be talking about today, honestly, was Jacksonville in Houston. Honestly, but I've got no choice. Like I have to. Not like Herb, the alleged savior, is leaving me any choice at all. He's the last dude that I want to be talking about after a great opening weekend. But per usual, he leaves me no choice. Yesterday morning it started when Jason Locke and Fora dropped a piece on CBSSports.com about Urban Meyer, and it did not go well for Herb. Let me read from the second paragraph, and I quote, There have been repeated issues with other coaches on staff with Meyer's temper, in lack of familiarity with the ebbs and flows of the NFL calendar, rubbing the Jacksonville Jaguars staff and players the wrong way, the sources said. It goes on, quote, There is a disconnected times between the members of the staff with extensive pro experience and those who lack it, and morale has suffered as the outbursts have continued. His fiery remarks to players and coaches after games have already struck many as bizarre, end quote. All that going on, and they haven't played a game that mattered yet. Never good when you're hearing about a head coach's temper and lack of familiarity with how the NFL works. That's not a good sign when you're an NFL coach. Nor is it a good sign that his comments to players and coaches have, quote, struck many as bizarre. And there's more. How about this quote from one source with direct knowledge of daily operations in Jacksonville? Quote, he has everyone looking over their shoulders already. He becomes unhinged way too easily. And he doesn't know how to handle losing even in the preseason. He loses it and wants to take over the drills himself. It's not good. End quote. Not good or below not good. Below not good. Below not good or extremely horrible. Having words like bizarre and unhinged being among the adjectives that people use for you is brutal especially when you were considered the alleged savior and the guy responsible for turning around the entire operation and saving that region of the country. And if people around you were saying that this guy gets unhinged over losses in the preseason, that's really not a good thing. As another source said, quote, you can't freak out about preseason games and belittle your coaches on a staff that you handpicked Every time things don't go your way, it's not going to work here, end quote. Because that is the absolute opposite of ownership, right? The one thing you demand of everybody around you, but have absolutely none yourself. But here's the thing. I'm sure that Herb's few remaining supporters will say, hey, Rome, come on, man. We know this guy's a control freak. That's his deal. That's his brand. And, of course, he's not used to losing. He never has before. And if he does his job right, he will not have to endure very much of that in the NFL either. I mean, you can tell me who cares about a guy freaking out over the preseason, and that's how you develop a winning culture. But what you want, like, like, like what do you want? A coach who's good with losing in the preseason? No, you don't want that. You can tell me this guy is one of the greatest football coaches of all time, and he's got a quarterback of a generation. And it's going to work. Just wait until this guy gets to the regular season before you rush to judgment. He's got a track record. He's got a generational quarterback. Give this guy a little time. At least let him wait, or at least wait until he gets to the regular season. All right. All right, I'll do that. And here's what I have to say to you. Houston 37, Jacksonville 21. Here's what else I have to say to you. That's sewage. That's sewage. The Texans were playing without their franchise quarterback. The Texans seemed to be pretty clearly looking to tank. The Texans had one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year, and they just took the Jags to the woodshed. Man, it was bad. How bad? They were up 27-7 to at halftime. They eased up in the second half. They had that game in hand, and they eased up. That's how embarrassing it is if you're Urban Meyer. A crappy Texans team won that horse race geared down. That was a hand ride from Tyrod Taylor because the Texans were coasting in the second half. They took their foot off the gas. Here's the worst part about this for the Jags and their fans. The Texans were better prepared. I repeat, the Houston Texans were better prepared. Prepared. Urban Meyer, one of the greatest to ever put on a headset, just got worked by David Culley, who's a first-time head coach. It's not just that the Jags didn't play well. It's that the Jags were a complete and total mess. Totally undisciplined. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Totally unprepared. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, it's not just that Trevor Lawrence threw three picks. Is that the team was penalized for breaking the huddle with 12 men. That they lined up incorrectly. That they had terrible penalties at bad moments. That they committed twice as many, as many penalties as the Texans. Remember how crappy the Texans were last year? The Texans got the ball back on their own 31 with 37 seconds left in the half, and they completed three straight passes, and then they did this. Here's the snap to Taylor. Pressure. Taylor throws underneath. Hits Amendola. Takes it across. Rock and roll. Touchdown, Houston. Taylor to the Highlander. Danny Amendola. That's amazing. Texans radio. Didn't Amendola sign with him like five minutes earlier? They went 69 yards in 29 seconds. That's not supposed to happen, and it's definitely not supposed to happen if you're playing the Texans and you're coached by the alleged savior and legend, Herb. The Texans have been mired in controversy and horribleness for a while. They've been a walking joke around the NFL, yet they spent the entire day laughing in the Jags' grills. Jacksonville, meanwhile, didn't look any different than the team that went 1-15 last year. In fact, they may have been worse than the team that went 1-15 last year. Imagine winning one game, picking a generational quarterback, hiring the alleged second coming of Vince Lombardi, and somehow looking worse than a team that was one of the worst teams ever against another one of the worst teams ever. That's not easy to do. But Herb just pulled it off because, again, this was not a team or a game against an elite team. In fact, they were facing a team that was supposed to be even more jacked up than they were, a team trying to be what they were themselves or what they were last year, absolute sewage, bad enough to get the first pick. They don't care. They don't want to win. They just kicked your ass up and down the field, and they really don't even care if they win. They really don't even want to win, and they still manage to humiliate Herb and the Jags. And you know me. I have always, always defended Tyrod Taylor. But I never once said he was the second coming of Joe Montana. Yet Herb and the Jags sure made him look like it. And what's going to happen to Herb and this defense when they have to face top-tier QBs this season? Because they will. And they just made Tyrod Taylor look like a Hall of Famer. So bottom line, if Herb was becoming, quote, unhinged and freaking out on people after preseason losses, what was he like after yesterday's loss? I'm surprised he even came out for the second half. If you had told me he would have spent halftime sitting on a golf cart, dejectedly eating pizza the way he did after losing to Michigan State, I would have believed that. I would not have been surprised if he spent halftime printing up resignation letters to post in everybody's locker and then magically found a family contract that he had written up with his kids that said he needed to spend more time with them and not with the Jags. And this guy hates losing. Does that team look like a team that's about to start winning? Imagine the next 16 weeks with this guy. Again, I'm not going to jump to any conclusions after only one game. Or say that he's a bust or a disaster as an NFL head coach and that his methods won't work. I'm just going to say, man, that was a horrible debut. Horrible debut. They didn't just play badly. They seemed like they didn't know how to play. Ill-prepared, poorly coached, totally undisciplined. Mm. (laughs) And that on the heels of a report that already he had lost his staff and his players. And one last thought. I'm running over, but i got to make this point. Was this not the guy that spent all that time studying the pro game? Talking to his former players who had turned pro to learn what works and what doesn't work in the NFL. Isn't that all we heard about this guy? Yeah, well, now he knows what doesn't work in the NFL. Pretty much everything he's tried so far. Coach him up, Herb. Coach him up if you can because what you did could not have gone any worse. Then it did. Totally fast. Hello, Rex.
3: Hello, Jimmy. How
0: are you? I'm quite well, Rex. How are you?
3: I'm doing good. Um, I resent people questioning the veracity of my Rexiness. Clones, I'm dealing with benign nasal polyps. Jimmy, after school, I'll drop the kids off at the pool for swim practice and then go catch a matinee with the missus. We both enjoy popcorn and red vines. I avoid raisinets. They remind me of my late bunny rabbit. He enjoyed hopping and eating carrots. Rest in peace, backsplash. Oh, and Jimmy, the missus is looking forward to the newest Sex in the City movie. I hear there's a cameo by our vice president, Kamala Jessica Parker. Rack me, Jimmy.
1: That's not a good call. No. You don't like that call. I don't like that call. Not a very good call.
0: Fake racks. Definitely a fake Rex. Cam Sutton is my guest. Cam, it's great to have you on. How are you?
3: Hey, how you doing?
0: (laughs) I'm doing great, dude. Great to have you. So let me ask you first. I know you're coming off a huge win, but can you take me back to before that game? Every game in the NFL is big, but when you're on the road against a team that went to the conference championship game, how fired up were you going into week
3: one? Yeah, definitely energized. Everybody was ready to go. You know what I mean. We knew we were heading into uh, obviously hostile environment. Um, going into a year, going into week one, um, especially with you know having fans and everyone back into um, into the stadium. You know that was a great atmosphere to see, just kind of having that play almost that playoff kind of feel, um, with having fans, with Buffalo having fans back again. So it was it was a, it was a great sight to see, and uh, you know we knew we had to come out here and, and match that same energy. You know we knew we couldn't come out here and, and uh, and and, and and not come out here and compete and, and not get out to those guys and, and you know, just play for each other. You know, we enjoyed that, and I are able to come out with a win.
0: Cam Sutton, my guest. Cam, you made your presence felt early on. In the first quarter, you had that huge pass breakup on the flea flicker on third and one. Can you take me through the play? What did you see? How did you sniff out that play, and then how happy were you with the way that turned out?
3: Yeah, kind of just uh, they got a tempo and kind of tried to jump jump to the ball and, and push forward to get a first down,
1: um, you know, initially
3: thinking, you know, that's something that they're kind of, uh, not necessarily a staple in their offense, but some, something that they do from time to time. And, uh, you know, we, we were expected, we were ready, uh, more than ready for the, you know, the, the down and distance and scenario. Um, kind of, you know, like I said, jumped up in our in our personnel as well. we ready, you know, ready on the ball as well. And uh, Dave's kind of came off the ball kind of slow, you know, slow playing the play. And then she burst, he burst out of there. You know, coming out of there, <laughs> he, burst, he, burst, he came bursting out of there. And, uh, you know, just kind of just keeping my eyes on him. you know, just doing a great job of having my eyes on my key. You know, everyone just doing their job. You know, Minka was kind of on the inside of me, you know, holding that leverage in that space, you know, reading reacting off of the run or the, or the play pass. And then, um, you know, just did a great job of just finding the ball and just making the ball.
0: I got to say, Cam, I'm not at all surprised by that response because Mike Tomlin has made the point that there are very few guys who can play outside corner and then play in the slot, but you do it easily because of what I'm hearing right now, a football intellect. He said that you blew everybody away in Knoxville at your pro day because of your understanding of the game. What do you remember about that day? And did you know how much you would impress them at that time?
3: Yeah, um at that at um, at that time that was coming um after the uh combine, you know, we were kind of at our pro day time. Um so I obviously going into the pro day, I didn't really have much to go, uh to do for that time. Um I was outside of the, the the field field work portion. Um so, you know, just wanted to be smooth and and even then, you know, coming off an injury too, so uh, going, uh in my senior year, you know, so really just obviously getting back healthy, being smooth, and being crisp coming on my break and, and, and transitioning on the field as well as obviously being sharper in the classroom. And, uh, you know, obviously I had the opportunity to sit down with Mike T and, and Colbert and those guys um, at my pro day. And uh, we just talked ball, man. We talked ball. We talked life. You know, uh, it was an amazing experience. It was amazing. It was a blessing. You know, and, and we kind of, obviously this week, you know, five years, <laughs> five years later, you know, we were still going strong. And, and that's just, uh, the tell-to-tale of, you know, our relationship and just the bond that we've been able to create over this time, um, just you know, how family-oriented and just how, uh, you know, appreciative and thankful I'm, I am those guys just uh, bringing me in and uh, you know, just put, putting my best foot forward, you know, just uh, you know, doing everything I can in return to, you know, to bring home a championship, you know, to the, to our city.
0: We're talking to Cam Sutton. Cam, I've done this a long time. I've talked to a lot of guys that have worn that Stewart uniform and I think that You know, as a California guy, as a Los Angeles native, I can't say that I know for certain, but I've talked to enough Steeler fans over the years to understand the pride in that town. Mike Tomlin was talking about how yesterday, quote, you guys just played Steeler D. I've got an expectation that our defensive unit's going to be in every football game like that. I'm just being bluntly honest with you, end of quote. I mean, as I mentioned, I've talked to so many guys that have played in that defense, Cam. I've talked to so many guys that have been in that secondary. How would you define playing Steeler D? How would you describe that identity?
3: Uh, simple term. You know, you, you you always hear around an organization, you hear around Steeler football all the time. Uh, standard is the standard, you know. Uh, and, you know, that's just our, you know the pride in our identity of, you know, who we are, you know, no matter who's out there on the field. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation that we're in out there on the field, uh, no matter the score, uh, all the odds can be stacked against us, you know. But our job is to go out there and stand up and play still a brand of football, you know. And uh, you know, have so many great, so many legends do before us. Um, there's an expectation. There's a, like I said, there's a standard behind everything that we do, and uh, we have to live up to that. We have to keep those things proceeding, moving forward, and. Um, you know, that's just holding each other accountability, Everyone having accountability for themselves and, and to a high standard of, you know, their play, uh, bringing each and every time that we're out there on the field, and um, just playing for one, playing for one another. You know, playing for each other. You know, that's the biggest thing. We love and enjoy playing for each other, um, and just having that fun and that energy out there. And I think that really shows.
0: Cam Sutton making his jungle debut here on the program with us. Cam, I want to ask you about something Joe Hayden said, and I've got such respect for Joe. He said, quote, it's a different ball game inside. Those little slot receivers and the route trees, it's a lot different, just timing and stuff like that, but Cam Sutton that's what he does he has a great inside and outside presence i'm more of an outside guy i mean i want no part of it honestly i want no parts of the slot but can can play both at a high level i mean dude that's an amazing bit of praise from joe hayden so take me through that part of it what does it take to have success and play on the inside the one thing that hayden admits i want nothing to do with
3: <laughs> yes sir i, I appreciate you, uh those kind of kind of words man um yeah, you know, just kind of just like I said, just getting a feel for the game. You know, obviously, lead up until those moments. You know, you do the you know do everything you can to prepare prepare uh, well enough throughout the, throughout uh, throughout the course of the week uh, to help you you know slow the game down for yourself out there on Sundays or whatever your game day are. And uh, you know that's just the thing that I've been able to um, you know really accomplish over my beginning in the league, let alone um, in our system. You know, just having that time to. Take in all the personnel taking all our different coverages taking all you know all the guys and roles and responsibilities and jobs on each and every play and then just mix them in kind of in by down down and distance by team by personnel you know by formations um you know and you know off of that you know, the fun part is about that is just matching them up with the coverages you know matching with the coverages and and matching and then matching that up with the calls uh you know per the team and, and, and concepts so you know just Obviously, you get a feel within our, our calls and in our game plan throughout the week of you know how teams are going to try to attack us and you know their kind of favorite concepts and things that you know schematic wise that they that they have high tendency of you know so really really is just kind of obviously continuous read and react you know most situations you're going from down to distance maybe might be down uh, early downs might be outside and you know you're playing kind of burst base personnel type of things and, and uh, vice versa, you might be going into later down distances, and, and you know you have four or five wide out on the field, and you might have to slide inside and kind of have to, like I said, refocus and, and balance back and kind of, you know, go back to those tools and, and key points that you that you jotted down throughout the early point, points of the week. You know that will help you be successful. So, you know, just continuous, you know, being sharp. You know, continuous, you know, challenging yourself, and um, you know, like I said, just continuous, just doing everything you can and putting yourself in the best uh, situation to know, come out with the
0: best product. Dude, you must be so good at chess. Do you play chess? <laughs> I, play a little, I play a little bit. I bet, <laughs> a man. Dude, you must be really good. You know, I, I'm talking <laughs> to you right now, and you and I have never spoken, but, like, I'm, I'm getting this humility, like this, this great preparation, of course, but humility, it's pretty clear to me, the coaching staff and your teammates have so much respect for you. You're not necessarily yet that household name. Does it bother you, or is the only thing that really matters to you is that you have your teammates and coaches' respect?
3: No, not at all. You know, like I said, uh, you know that's just something that's continuous gaining. You know, as, as the time you know tells, you know I'm gonna continue to show up each and every week. You know, and uh, you know it's not just you know just uh, coming into the year. You know, not just in the year, but uh, I said I was coming for everything, and I was coming, I was coming for, uh coming for it all. And uh, obviously, I, I, I truly meant that. You know, uh, obviously I obviously have confidence in myself. Uh, to do those things and achieve everything that I want to achieve, and let alone my teammates, the coaching staff, I'm um, city. Everyone, you know, my family, you know. So, uh, you know, just really juiced up for the year. You know, every, like I said, uh, really energized, ready to go, ready to you know continue to, you know, attack each and every week, um, every opponent, and um, just play just play some you know some great football. So.
0: Hey Cam, that's the best. My last thought: you you have like this. I mean, there's expectation, right? Expectation from the guys you're around, expectation from the fans, expectation from your family, your friends, a lot of that, but you're, you're really poised, really composed, and you mentioned, I have confidence in myself. Like, this sense of calm and confidence, does it come from preparation, or were you always just like this?
3: No. yeah, definitely, uh, you know, just being poised in situations. Uh, it's, it's really something I've always had, you know, um, Kind of just always, uh, just in those, you know, in those moments, you know, whether having to, you know, necessarily be the guy in those moments, or kind of just having to know necessarily what to do, um, you know. So, uh, whether that, whether that's just me kind of just lining guys up, or uh, just like said, making sure we're in the right personnel, you know, things that I might be able to last minute quick adjustments or, or, or relay guys uh, that they've seen out there on the field, or maybe that we that. That we how we've been attacked earlier in games and they come back later in games and kind of try to attack us as well um just kind of just like I said just keeping everyone sharp uh, that constant communication uh, on and off the field of kind of just uh situationally you know making sure everyone, everyone is good across the board and uh, you know I think that's the biggest thing you know guys are down in down out you know across the board communicating with everyone. And I'm making sure we're all good.
0: I think it's really impressive. Like, my last thought for you like most people just are worried about themselves. Most people don't do well even just worrying about themselves. And you just said to me, like, I'd like to be the guy who's also responsible to make sure that everybody's in the right spot, doing the right thing, both on and off the field. Clearly, you're worried about more than just yourself. Why are you comfortable doing that? Why is that so important to you?
3: No question. You have to, you definitely have to, um, obviously, be wide be wide sided of everything and, and, and be very very uh, visual of the big picture, you know. Um I obviously you're you you're dealing with, you know, so many different things necessarily in football, um within football as well as not even just pertaining within with uh within football. So um uh, obviously within saying that, like I tell you, you have you have your football life and you have life outside outside of football. So that's just like I said, that that communication in itself of learning your teammates, you know, learning who you guys you're going to be around um and the guys you're working with and, and how they work, you know, things, uh strengths and weaknesses, you know, uh, things that help kind of the defense, things that help, you know, uh things that they can do. Um how can we incorporate incorporate their uh their talents and skills um into what we do and then um how can we use those things to attack teams. You know, and within that you start you you create that that big bond. Uh, with each other um, out there on the field, and uh, you know that's the that's the biggest thing. You know, some guys you know respond to respond to coaching or, or critique or some things different, um, and you're able to get to guys you know different ways. Um, and that I think that like I said, that's just the challenge of just being i um, a people person, uh, you know, and and accepting that uh that challenge of you know like I said, getting everyone on the same page, you know, making sure everyone understands their role and um, and, and is locked in. You know, we 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 know. Uh, obviously, each and every week, what's at stake, and uh, you know, um, you know our goals. You know, our, our end of season goals, and what we want to do as a team. Uh, so we know. Uh, you know, obviously, our mindset going to each and every week. How how locked in we have to be. Good night, now.